Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie. There's a non-denominational retreat weekend at the Resolution Center of Jacksonville, Florida. This will be a time of support and renewal for parents and grandparents on the journey of parental alienation. Standing strong in resilience, paving the way for good health and a great future. This will take April. This will take place on April 22nd through the 24th, 2022, and I will have everything listed in the podcast notes. I have a brand new guest. Her name is Natalia Dalton from Alexandria, Virginia. Her story is that she had a son with an ex-boyfriend in 2008, and for the first six years of his life, she had physical custody. When she started to notice her son acting aggressively, returning from visits with his father in 2014, she went to the court for help. Rather than investigate the change in her son's behavior, Natalia says the court put her under a complete microscope and then in April 2014, at a status conference, her ex-boyfriend's attorney, Donnie Colton, filed an emergency motion to switch custody because he claimed that Natalia had come to her son's school barefoot. Natalia denies this ever happened at all, and she did not even attend the conference, but the motion was granted. Natalia currently is only allowed two three-hour sessions per month, and she has to pay between one to $300 per session just to see her son. After her ex-boyfriend complained that Natalia was rude to a doctor, a court order forbade Natalia from communicating with doctors about her son. Natalia then sent four emails after she became concerned about a change in his medication. Now, even though the doctor said the medication was changed as a result of the emails, the judge, Alexandria Circuit Judge Lisa Kamler, sentenced Natalia to five days in jail for violating a court order. Now, Kamler, Judge Kamler, was appointed in 2004 by the then Governor Mark Warner and his press secretary, Rachel Cohen. Now, Natalia is here with us today. She has a constant ache in her heart, and she finds herself crying more than usual because of how unfair that all of this is and that she can't see her son. And I welcome you, Natalia Dalton, to the show, and I also welcome Chris Duvall. Thank you for coming on. Good morning. Great to have you. Well, I'm glad you guys yeah, good are Good morning. Great great to be here so natalia what happened yeah natalia what happened well how did you know when you went to the court that's probably where all of this began or did it begin earlier well it it well it first began when um i you know i had met i i have no i've known ethan's dad since i was a child and he was like my first my first love right Mm-hmm. And then many years later, um, I, you know, I was friends with his mother. And then many years later, um, I met up with him. And at that point, he was not dating anybody. And neither was I. It was like probably 28. I think I was like 28 years old. Um, anyway, so um, 
we started dating and he was very charming and everything. And I was like, oh, well, you know, this is, this must be, um, what is that? Um, like destiny, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, and, and so when we, when we started, he was very sweet, very romantic, very charming, you know, very extremist with everything for Valentine's day. He would give me flowers every day. We weren't living with each other at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, then eventually everything started to, to change when I went to live with him. Um, you know, then his true self came out where he was um, starting to show behavior of abuse, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, very explosive personality, um, very um, controlling, very um, he manipulative, very, uh, he used a lot of like, um, you know, abusive words, like he was always putting me down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Nothing I ever did was ever good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like, he, he, it was kind of like a perfectionist who was, mm-hmm. you know, if he, he didn't do things the way that he wanted or how he felt like he, he would slander you or put, or, or not make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, um, after dealing with that for a few years and I, I actually wrote like a diary of all the incidents because I, I still remember all the incidents, like if it was yesterday, mm-hmm. um, um, I decided that I, I, I couldn't deal with this anymore. Um, so at that time when I left him, I finally got my own place out in Pentagon city and in, in Arlington, Virginia. Um, and I finally moved away from him because I, I realized this was not a healthy, it was a very toxic relationship. And I almost felt like I was walking on eggshells, you know, mm-hmm. that book walking on eggshells. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Oh yes. Um, anyways, it it was like, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I even tried canceling with him, and and the and the counselor said, oh, there's no um, canceling with this person. It's almost like you're dealing with the devil. He's not willing to change, and he's is it's just not. It's it, she saw it not an easy case to ever go forward, or or that he was willing to work with me and, and, and make things better. But anyways, besides that, so I finally moved to Pentagon city out of my little studio apartment. I had a beautiful apartment that faced, uh, well, um, <laughs> I can see the fireworks from my window cause I faced wow. the Washington beautiful. monument. It was like amazing. Yeah. So I was actually right next to the Pentagon. Um, so yeah, I, I had a great view. So here I am three months into um, the apartment or two months in and I realized that um, um, something happened in my system you know where I I, I apparently I wasn't <laughs> I didn't know I was pregnant I thought that a, a lot of things were happening in my body because I was so stressed out with being with him and then moving right mm-hmm. and then like two months later mm-hmm. I found out that I was pregnant with my mm-hmm. son um, so I was kind of like one of those women who thought, oh, well, you know, maybe if I, if, it, if I have a baby with him, you know, maybe at first I didn't want it. I, I, I was, I, I was, I was in a lot of challenging whether to keep the baby or not, because I was very depressed over the whole situation with the father. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, anyway, I, I kept Ethan and, but, um, 
so I went back to the father and I told him, you know, that, you know, that we were going to have a baby and everything. And, and, um, so for a year there, um, I was still living in my studio apartment and just going over to the dad's house in Silver Spring. And we were having some kind of relationship like that. Um, and then, um, at that time I was pregnant and I should have, um, I should have realized the signs of all the, because even during my pregnancy, he was still acting irrational and mean to me. And, um, but I don't know what made me go to live with him at one point, but at one point when the lease was up, we decided to live together. Mm-hmm. And, but it just went downhill from there. So like, when Ethan was like 16 months old, I'd saved money and everything. And I said, you know what, I'm leaving this situation, you know, even living together or even with the baby, you know, this, this isn't working at all. Um, I, I was trying to keep, you know, me and Ethan and, and the father in his life to give him a more stable life and have his, both of his parents. Cause I grew up with just my mom and I didn't have my father in my life. And I missed out on my father's life for many years. So but you know, it just it just wasn't working. It, it 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 things got worse. He was actually um starting to do things to my son, to our son, like slap him. He left him one time alone under the couch and left the house and I came back and my, my son was stuck under the bed. I mean under the couch. Um it it just it was not a, a good scenario. Um I lived my life very a lot of anxiety and stressed out and then um so I decided that I was leaving. So I left. I left with Ethan when he was 16 months. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried it out for a year, like working out payments with him for him to help out, tried to do visitations with him. Um, that was always a roller coaster. He was like, he kept telling me when I would try to let him see him, his son, I'm not, I'm not your babysitter. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to be watching. Mm-hmm. At that time, he was alone. You know, he didn't want to be responsible of, of his son, even though I was I was trying to get him to, to keep being active with his son in his life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that would I, I took away whatever, how he treated me, and I thought, you know, he should still have a relationship with his son. Um, so then, um, yeah, we, we did that for separated and I tried and and then I don't know in 2010 um, I had to go my grandmother wasn't doing well and and we thought that something serious was going to happen to her so at that time I had my son with me so I had to go to court because at that time there was no order um, really to to for me to just leave the country with my son without the father's signature right Mm-hmm. So he didn't want to sign for the passport, and um, so I had to go back. I had to go into court. That was the first time I went into court. They gave me sole custody, temporary, because the father didn't show up at the hearing, mm-hmm. and um, he didn't want to do anything. So they let me leave the country with my son for a month or two. When I came back, that's where everything started. As soon as I got back, um, a order, uh, a GAL was assigned to our case, a guardian at Lightham. Um, she started investigating both homes and she realized, you know, that the child would have been is better fit with me. Mm-hmm. At that time, the father didn't have a bed. Um, I, he didn't have enough food in his house. Um, you know, he, it, it was just, 
it was a better scenario at that time for the child to live with me. So they gave the father every other weekend, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then me, um, primary custody, but it was joint. Mm -hmm. So we were going on from 2010, you know, 11, 12. I was trying to be co-parent with this father, flexible and everything. Mm -hmm. But over the years, um, the exchanges were just getting horrible um and to a point where i had to i had to go back to court again and to, that was in 2014 or 15 that's where everything started worse from there but <laughs> so anyway so in 2014 um, um oh yeah so the changes were going very bad where he was pushing me or he was slandering me like telling me mean stuff in front of my son or insulting me, or it was just, it was just getting out of hand. Mm -hmm. So um, I decided in 2014, let me go see the legal services and go, and I think I'm going to have to go to court on this because I can't just like not have him see his dad and, and we need some kind of advice here. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so then I, um, I don't know. Did you want me to go on with this, the story? Am I, am I doing yeah, well? I think it's, yes, I think it's interesting because I think anyone listening to this, especially I hope there's some young people listening to this, see how people's personalities can change when you get to either move in with them or perhaps even if they give you an engagement ring, they need to see that these personality disorders can change and do exactly, and this stuff had, had been done to myself as well. So we need to educate our young people on this. So keep going. Oh, yeah, no, a, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So in 2014 or 15, I, um, I went to legal services. I found a lawyer who only charged me $700. She was like new on the case. She was like one of those new lawyers, young, mm -hmm. um, but she wasn't like a bullfighter. And I kind of like regret that because looking back on my case um, based on the father's personality and the lawyer that he had, I think, if, you know, she, she didn't defend me um, the way she should have. Uh, and that's where everything started. Um, so when I went to her, I had asked, I said, you know, I'm really concerned about my son's behavior. I'm noticing in school, he's flipping tables over. He's, he's doing things to little girls like being mean to the little girls, uh, pushing them, scratching them. I, I don't know. I mean, I have a whole list of behavior logs throughout the years of all these things my, my son was doing to children. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, it was getting out of, I had a hand. And um, I told the father, so I went and tried to talk to the father like I always do before I went to court um, because I believe in, co-parenting and working things out and, and not really good to the legal system but the father is one of those parents like oh um i could do whatever i want on the weekends with our son you know and so he was having our son play at four or five year old call of duty halo and some punching bat okay oh no oh <laughs> and no they were already diagnosing my son at an older age that he had a um an emotional um, um, delay, emotional development, or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so he was already having some emotional issues, issues right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so he was taking this violence to school. So now he's while he's watching these videos came game, games called Explosive Men and he's going to the school and jumping off a chair and saying I'm gonna explode the school, I'm gonna explode the kids. And he's drawing pictures of cutting kids' heads off. And I mean it was just it was getting really out of hand. And I was a t te- I was a teacher. So mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my god, this is terrible and I told the father Please do not play these games with my with our son. He's too young. This is not age appropriate. This is for mm-hmm. mature. I can do whatever I want. Mind your own business. Mm-hmm. So I think those games were really affecting my child. And then I started doing a lot of research on my own and reading and I um, on video games and impact of children with um, under an IEP and and how that their development and their behavior and everything and. I was so upset and I was telling the court, you know, that he's playing these video games and they're really impacting my son and it's causing him problems everywhere. He's become, you know, aggressive with other kids and now he's um, throwing tables over and and now he comes to visit me, he's he's kicking me or he's throwing tantrums that, that, and it seemed like every time he returned from his dad, there was some, he was kind of like rejecting me in a way. And I was like, this is very strange. Mm-hmm. And it took him a couple of days once he was with me to adjust and come back to his, you know, loving me again. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were all the things that I was telling this lawyer that was, that was my concerns on why I needed to go back to court. Mm-hmm. Well, then she suggested, well, based on what you're t- telling me, it sounds pretty serious. And the father doesn't want to work with you. So let's just, um, let's just file a motion and have him have um, temporary supervised visitation until we get to the bottom of, of what's going on in the dad's home. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that she was giving me the best advice. Mm-hmm. So here I am following her advice and um, I would get into court and um, uh, everything was going well in JDR. Um, um, I was able to keep custody um, at the beginning, and um, and then they did this six-month um, trial period where um, they were going to see how the kid, de- how Ethan does, uh, and with me, they didn't they didn't do the supervised visitation for the father. They kind of dismissed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a matter of fact, they actually. Um, things actually got worse for me. So instead of like, um, instead of listening to me in the court and doing what, and and me raising concerns about my child and and his behavior and everything, the court is like looking at me with a microscope and thinking that maybe they were thinking that I was trying to, I was saying all this or doing all this because I wanted to get the the father out of his life. I, I have no idea what they were thinking, but that mm-hmm. was never um, the issue. Um, nothing has ever been brought up in court that I'm one of those alienating parents. If anything, I've always worked with the father. I've always tried to make it. I was more, the only reason I went back to court was because I was more concerned about my son 
and what was going on with him. And if he needed intervention or if the father was lacking some kind of parenting skills and he needed some more skills, um, if somebody could have told him, hey, you know, video games are not good for your child, this is not healthy. I, I don't know. I was trying to think of other solutions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it, it it just got it just got worse. They put this GAL on the case, who um, her name is Isabel Collenbach, and then she started investigating, and um, and she did a, a, a. They have these standards for GALs mm-hmm. um, that they're supposed to follow. Uh, standards to govern the performance of guardian at items and I, looking back on my case she felt all the standards she started going she went camping with the father and his wife she um she started only talking to the father she never talked to me she started visiting the house more of the father and not not visiting my house i mean it was it was <laughs> it was it was insane oh. She uh-huh. went to court that the father she she did a joint motion that that her that the father gets sole custody. So it wasn't just the father's motion; she joined in with it, yeah, <laughs> which I, think, I thought was a little, which I thought was biased. It, yes, so, definitely, uh, and and highly unethical of her to go camping with uh, the ex and his wife or whatever. That's really unethical behavior, don't you think, Chris? I mean, this is like. I I am just amazed. It's uh, I had the opportunity to to meet Natalia over over two years ago, in in 2019. I guess we're going on three years, Natalia, when we were uh, marched from the the White House to the Supreme Court, and I, I just couldn't believe what, what you were telling me about your, your situation and we've kept in touch since then and we visited with you down in Washington and learned more and more and it's just horrifying that what's happened to you has happened and sadly as we all know here on this call that this these kind of situations happen to millions of parents all throughout the world and uh, it's just the family and justice system is alive and well and continues. But uh, we thank you so much for sharing your story, Natalia. Hopefully, we can all learn from this and help others. Right. What I find, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you you go ahead. What I, what I find so sad about my story and so many other people's stories is that you go you go into the justice system thinking that, especially when it comes to children, you you, you think that okay. I'm bringing you evidence, I'm bringing you concerns about my child. I was not the parent who went in there and said, oh, the father this, oh, the father that. I was, my main focus was my son the whole time. I've never bashed the father. I never even, I didn't even bring up the things that he did to me and and those beginning hearings of the abuse. I didn't even bring up pictures or, or police reports or anything because I wanted the the court hearing to be more focused on my son because this is a, a situation where it was for my son's best interest, right? Mm-hmm. And the and then these people on the court, like the guardian ad litem and the G, you know, the CPS people and all the judge and everybody, they did not focus on my son, my child at all in mm-hmm. their hearing. 
They were more interested in the parent who comes in the court with all these thousands of not of, of motions on how can I get this, this other parent out of out of my child's life. Mm. I was totally shocked in all my hearings when I would hear the father on the stand. My mouth dropped, and I thought, you know what? Oh my goodness! With his character and his personality, he has just told this court who he really is. Because mm-hmm. he didn't candy code what he wanted. He was very straightforward with his attitude and his personality that anybody could see through that. And if a judge, who's supposed to be the highest judge in the circuit court, so they basically, she's supposed to be the one that they say, okay, well, we put you in charge because you make the best decisions, right? Mm. <laughs> um I mean, and, and and she fell for that that charm and misleading and 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 just manipulative ways. He, he used the court. He fooled the court oh, yes. to get what he wanted. And now, Natalia, did he ever cry on the stand? Um, no, not cry, but he he was very like um, like a victim. He would oh, say yes. stuff like. Okay, so this is what he would, he, this is something that his father did. Oh, I'm really concerned. This mother um, is liable to throw acid in my face and slit my tires with a, with a knife. <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. what? I mean, he would just make up stuff as he went along. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yep. And then there was no proof of me ever being that way. We did, like in the beginning, we did a psychological evaluation. Um, and there was nothing in the record saying that Miss, you know, Miss Dalton has these kind of issues or she's, you know, crazy or whatever. But, hey, it seemed like to me in my case, everything <laughs> was pointing against me mm-hmm. when I was the one speaking the truth. And the person who was sitting there playing the court and lying and just saying lie after lie after lie and making a fabricating story was actually winning in the court. You should have seen everybody, like the judge. She's like, oh, I even, even in my court hearing, the judge allowed hearsay and to evidence. I thought that wasn't even allowed, but in my case, it, it, it was because for a father to say to a judge, oh, Miss um, Dalton comes to the my son's um, uh, basketball games and she slapped me in the face. And therefore, and then the judge goes, with no proof that I ever did that, there was no marks on the dad's face, which I would never do because that guy is a little out there. And if I if I ever tried to put a finger on him, he probably would really hurt me. When once he tried to choke me and throw me off the balcony, so mm-hmm. I I know better than to put my hands on him. So um, anyway, so and the judge due to the fact that the father says that you went to the school and i mean the the game and you slapped them in the face therefore miss dalton you are no longer allowed to attend your child's um activities so they took it off the order <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i mean there was no proof nothing to show that this was ever true mm-hmm. i mean i i brought up i brought up that the father came to the to the basketball game full with alcohol on his breath and he just drove my son to the to the um the baseball game and and then at one point I um 
the, the father got his camera and started filming me and the father and, and my son says, don't film my mom, you know, that, which I thought was inappropriate. He, he shouldn't have acted that way. Mm-hmm. And I was telling him, I was telling my son, I mean, the father, why did you come to this game full with alcohol in your breath? That's not, I mean, and then you drove my kid here. And, um, and so he invented that I slapped him on the face. So, so the judge um, dismissed what I said and took, and took his word as enough to take me off the games, you know, so I can't, I can't do my son's activities anymore. I am so sorry. It seems like Judge Kemmler recognizes a personality disorder so much as herself. Uh, I've had other guests on that say that, you know, these judges look for someone like themselves, and then they rule in favor of that person. Yeah, it's really, it's really sad. And I agree. I I, I think, um, for all I know, I mean, that's a mean but maybe she has narcissistic personality as well i mean otherwise yes i even think i I even think his 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 attorney is the same as him yes (laughs) yes in fact it seems that these judges the ones that i've been hearing about have been through have been narcissistic and sociopathic tendencies and um Granted, I'm not a psychologist, but I was a psychiatric nurse for a period of time. And you can see a sociopath, you know, you know what you're looking at. And that's what these judges look for. They look for someone that looks like them, dresses like them, acts like them, convincing, smooth. And then they disregard that target. Then they turn that other parent into a target, which is what happened to you. Right. And see, and, and the sad part is, is that that's what I was telling you in the beginning. The justice system has failed me and my son because mm-hmm. you go to the system thinking one way. OK, you know, I, I'm going in here and I'm going to get the help that I can't get just trying to co-parent with this father. And then they go and and they fail you. And mm-hmm. actually due to going to the court, which I regret now. Look where I'm at today. I don't even see my son anymore. Mm. I mean, and all I and all I ever did was try to help my son. All I did, well, everything yeah, Natalie, I did. So. And Natalie, even if you didn't go to the court, let's say you you tried to take him to a psychologist, that guy would have stepped in because this is what happened to me. I tried to get my kids help first, and the you know ex had a fit and then suddenly you get sucked into a court situation so don't blame yourself this would have happened no matter what don't you think chris i i agree i mean i don't even understand what's the the point in going on the stand and say and raising your hand and say i will tell the truth nothing but the truth mm -hmm. i mean i mean what is that a joke it is yes because as you know there's no bible there what are we swearing on uh there's nothing to swear on in fact we shouldn't even be raising our hand because this really isn't a courtroom this really isn't a technically a courtroom as there is no jury there's no cameras there's no tamper-proof mics chris i don't know how you feel about this but there's just it's a free-for-all in a circus of a courtroom and and it's really 
it's all orchestrated by the the attorneys that that are looking to create chaos mm -hmm. because they they really have no interest in resolution so their their entire livelihood and profession at least with regards to when it comes to family law and custody is to create chaos because that creates more billable hours more heartache and and more emotions of, of the two parties that that are literally pledging their entire net worth or lack thereof to their lawyers because they care about their child and and the lawyers are to them it's just another case it's just a game um and yeah just like um julio's attorney he's well connected to that court his mm -hmm. office is right next door um, my understanding that there was some kind of the attorney was some kind of um, has some kind of partnership with the judge. He's known her for for years. I don't know if they went to school together or something, but um, the way they act in that courtroom, winking at each other, she mm -hmm. only lets him write the motion. So, so even though my my attorneys will put like inputs into the order, she will only sign off on what the other attorney writes. Oh, this happens all the time. That was collusion. Um, you know, sometimes like you have to look into the relationship between the judge and that opposing attorney. You know, did they ever work together in a capacity in that courthouse? How often do they golf together? You know, there, there's something going on that, that this was rigged. <clears throat> right. Also, I, I don't know if I sent you the video. I went to my judge's... Um, she had her review um, back in December 10th. I don't know, did I send it to you, Chris? Anyways, it's like a half an hour long. And so we all went up um, with, the, with the Judicial Committee here in Virginia. Uh, we had a, a webcam thing and we all spoke out against my judge. My dad went on there, my ex-lawyer went on there and talked about my judge. Um, Erica, she's another mom here in, in Virginia who, who got, she brought up a case of um, her daughters were being molested, I mean, like, you know, touched, and she got supervised with the case, and she lost custody to her kids, too. The father got sole custody. So her case is very similar to mine, except for my ex did not, um, I don't think he's ever... Um, sexually hurt my child. Well, I do remember an incident where I had to call CPS, but you know, CPS never does their job, so it no. was a waste mm -hmm. of time. Exactly. Um, so here I talked to, that was like the first case where my son was reporting on one of his visits from his dad, oh, mommy, daddy plays with my penis and I play with his penis in the shower and we hit each other's penis and I grab his and he grabs mine and we think it's funny. And I thought that was a little weird. Yes. My son was like five or six at the time. And so I told the CPS that I was concerned that there's some weird things going. Why is my son, why is my ex showering with my six-year-old? Mm -hmm. And why are they? So the CPS walked, went over to the father's house, knocked on the door. He opened and says, oh, we have a, we have a situation here. The mother is claiming that the child told her that you are, um, playing with your son in the shower and doing things inappropriate. Well, of course the father's going to say, no, that's a lie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why would I ever do that? Right. So mm -hmm. they dismissed the case. <laughs> I mean, oh, well, and again, like, you know, 
like when my son was choked by his father mm-hmm. uh, when I when, back in 2018. Oh, that that's where I was going to lead up to where, where I'm at today. And I went to jail because my son reported that um, he his dad choked him and forced medication down his throat, and that he was slapping him and putting makeup on his face. So he was starting to report months of like like physical things that the father was doing to him. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm on supervised visitation today, right? So um, when I reported that, to see, uh, what did they do? They went to investigate the father's house and asked the child in front of the father. Well, the child's not going to say anything in front of his father. So then I got the real truth when I took my son on my own on one of my visits to the CPS office. And we went inside the office separated from the father's house. Then my son was able to open up and mm-hmm. say what happened. So the CPS lady says, oh, um, I'm going to, uh, I guess the, cho- the story does change. You know, he didn't say the same story he, t- he said when he was at his dad. So I'm going to have to make some uh, changes to my investigation. And so here I was believing that, okay, well, maybe the CPS lady is now going to do the right thing in the court, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what she did in the court? She didn't bring up the what the child told her in her office. She she just mentioned oh the mom complained about the father being abusive and she showed me some pictures of him hurting her back and pushing her and 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 and, uh, and her diary and stuff like that. Uh, but no, we didn't find anything with the child. I mean, <laughs> she totally lied wow. on the stand. Oh yes, they all do. So they're not. So then a week later, I called her and I said, I recorded her and I said, why didn't you tell the court about what you, with the child, what my son told you? Oh, because the judge never asked me. Mm. Anyways. Um, yeah, they, yeah, it, it's well, just, C- CPS fails as bad as the family court does. Um, you know, yeah, it's, right. and now, and now you're here, you know, you can't enter a court without a psych eval and not to return to court until you pay $8,000 of attorney fees. That's just terrible. Yeah, $8,000 in attorney fees, because I brought the father back to court when I haven't seen my son only within the last two years, five times. The reason people go back to court is because I was trying to show the fa- show them that the father's in contempt of court order. He's not following the order. I'm not seeing my child, and mm-hmm. I'm being punished for bringing mm-hmm. the fa- for for opening a case when I'm the one the, when the father's the one violating the order, not letting me see my kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then the judge had the nerve to say in one of the last three hearings, "Oh, this father never violates the order." She actually said this on the transcript. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, I, I, me and my lawyer were like, what? I mean, you never want to hear one thing. Doesn't mean he's not following it. But mm-hmm. she totally dismissed. Um, anyway, so, so yeah, so I have to pay that. But the, I'll get the, the most interesting part is that I already did a psychological evaluation. Right. I saw that early in the notes. Yes. Yeah. And it was very positive. But when, when we went back to the hearing, the judge didn't even entertain it. She didn't even look at it. She didn't even want to read it. I even mm-hmm. paid the psychologist to go on the, mm-hmm. the, the virtual hearing during the pandemic 
And I paid him to be on there. And my attorney said to her three times, well, you have a psychologist here. Why don't you look at her, Ms. Dalton's psychological evaluation? Mm-hmm. And um, you have the attorney, the, the psychologist says, oh, I don't want to talk to him. No, I don't, I don't need to speak to him. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Because it was a psychologist that she didn't know, or she <laughs> it wasn't yeah. part of a psychologist that was going to play into their games or something. Right. I don't know. Right. Just, I mean, if she didn't know him, I guess she was not. She was afraid to ask him anything because then it mm-hmm. would probably backfire on her. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> yeah, and that's that what maybe exactly would yeah. happen. No, you're you're absolutely right, and you know. Um, you know, this judge is corrupt. These attorney, the opposing attorney, all these people actually, the guardian ad litem, they're taking part in psychological child abuse. And I would even say physical child abuse, sexual child abuse. Yeah. They did nothing. None of these people have done nothing to protect my child. Mm-mm. There's this thing called the best interest of the child, um, the standards that they're supposed to follow. I remember I went to Mark Warner. He was one of the um, delegates here and, and, and for Alexandria, representing Alexandria. I thought, you know, he was going to be more helpful because he had a situation of his own where his sister died in the hands of a abuser. Um, and then the judge gave custody over to the, the guy who actually killed his, his sister. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and he, he, even though he seemed sympathetic with me in the meeting and stuff, he says the only way that these courts, you can ever get justice in the city is, is, is by getting media. I think that was the only thing he could tell me. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that he could really do to help me. And anyway, so he, he said to me, well, what do you mean the judge didn't follow the best interests of the child? No, these judges, well, in my case, they can just give their opinion and that's it. Mm-hmm. They don't have to follow those Virginia 10 laws or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's nothing saying that the judge has to follow these laws or they're not even ordered to. They can just give their biased opinions. And I always thought a judge was supposed to be uh, partial. I mean, that's what I was always told. But, well, oh well. We, we all were. I mean, we, we've all been duped into thinking this since our childhood that, you know, there's justice in a courtroom, there's justice, you know, in areas of the law. And we all have found out that this is not the case. Natalia, I have a question for you. Natalia? Yeah. Um, yes. Your child's father's attorney. How. He he's not working, correct? You're, 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 the, the the father My of, ex of is not working, right? Where 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 right. has he got the money to pay this attorney? I mean, with all the stuff that you've shared, it sounds like you both incurred tons and tons of legal bills on, on a horrendous fight. So has, How is he yeah, funding this? Okay. His wife is um works for the State Department, and she makes like a hundred grand a year. So she's the only one working and supporting my child. And now I be, apparently she's pregnant now with a new baby because my son told me I only get like one phone call a week, 15 minutes, and it's a dollar a minute. Um, anyways, and then it has to cut off for the 15 minutes. They hang up the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
anyways, so my son was able to get in that um, that his the the wife is expecting another child. So now they're gonna be she's gonna be supporting three kids and her husband. Right. So so, so, so they already have another child. They have a child together. Ethan has a yeah, stepbrother. Yeah, he's, um, he, he's yeah, he's got he's already like I think he's two and a half or almost three years old. And the ironic part of that one, um, you know, I I always find that you know things it karma always comes around eventually. <laughs> but oh, the, the weird part about that well, the weird part about that one is they had a child together, and the kid can't talk, and he's almost three. And out of all parents, the way that the father is and his wife and the way they treated my son, I'm really concerned them having a child like that, if that child is really in good hands, to be honest. Right. Right. Um, they're, they're like a perfectionist kind of people. You know what I mean? Narcissistic, like mm -hmm. um, high expectations. And, you know, Julio didn't even want to accept that our son had um, an emotional disability. That's why he took him away from the IEP and threw him in a private school with no support team at all. Can you imagine now he has a son who can't even talk? He's he's one of those parents that are like, he's probably going bonkers. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> or how, maybe soon, not. How, how soon did Julio get together with his current wife? And did, did they marry? So they didn't get married until 2000. So when he lost his job in 2017, shortly after they got married, mm -hmm. um, which I thought was weird. You know, they just all of a sudden he loses his job, and then all of a sudden she they get married. But now, uh, did, 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 did they have a child right away when they got married? Um, no, I think it happened maybe. Oh, you know what? Maybe she she found out she was pregnant. Yeah, maybe it was because then a year later they had a child. Hmm. So yeah, because remember now, now the kid is what, two and a half, three? So yeah, that was back in 2017. So um, yeah, so now apparently she's pregnant again, which I don't I don't understand how she is she must be like a masochist or I, I, I don't believe that my ex has become an angel now. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden the way he's treating me, he's, he's like an angel with her for her to marry him, get a house for him and support all these kids and mm -hmm. have him stay home. I, I don't get that concept at all. <laughs> no, no. And no. And I, I was talking to one of my fellow nurses at the time. I was telling her some things and she said, look, she said she herself is a second wife. And she says, what you went through is now what the second wife is going through. The problems that, that, that was had in that marriage, now the second wife, and she was speaking for herself, is going through these problems. Yeah, but I don't understand a woman who supposedly can, is, is working for the State Department, makes 100 whatever a year, I mean, she was in a she's in a better situation than me to say, you know what? I've had enough. I'm moving out. I'm I'm going on with my life. No, what is she doing? She's popping more babies. She's supporting a man who's not working. Well, the guy can make easily eighty eight, ninety thousand a year. He he was just making it before he got fired or let go. So I don't understand why she's tolerating all this. Maybe she's desperate. You know, maybe she has poor self esteem and she's desperate. 
All I remember is that the time, the few times, he's not, she's not allowed to talk to me around the father. She told me that. She says, I can't talk to you. He'll get upset. So she's afraid of him in a way. And I, re- and I remember one time, um, a couple of times when I would run into this woman, she would be like, her mouth would be trembling. Like if I was t- talking to her, she was kind of shaking in a way. It, mm-hmm. it was kind of weird. So, like so you felt comfortable. You've actually had dialogue with Julio's wife. No, like I've seen her in court for a right. second. And I tried to speak to her, like say something to her, and she would be all shaky, like in her mouth, like when she was talking, and she would keep it very short, and then she would walk away. Um, but she was very into not listening to me and kind of like on the father side. You know how these father these narcissist are they gaslight definitely who knows what he told her (laughs) well he's probably you know using coercive control methods and stockholm syndrome (laughs) you know that's probably what he's doing and he's controlling her now i mean the the poor woman is the poor woman is very well um she's very um her she has a lot of weight She's got, she's not a very attractive woman. So I think a lot of her self-esteem must be really low. Mm-hmm. She probably doesn't think she can get anybody better than him. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, low confidence, no self-esteem, you know, that's. Well, the sad, the, I have to say the sad part about all this is that those are the people that are raising my son. Right. You know, <laughs> one I mean, my son is learning to hate because there's no healthy role model of a father is, is not letting the other parents see the child. I mean, what kind of role model is that? He's not teaching him healthy family um, values or the, the relationship with both parents are healthy. He's, he's teaching him then to like a hate, kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I I don't know. I'm really worried about my son and his future. And, you know, how he perceives relationships and how he's going to perceive women in the future. Mm -hmm. Because now, you know, he he sees his dad mistreating his wife. Because I remember when he was little, he used to tell me the stuff that this woman, he he would see that how his dad would treat his wife. He says, oh, mommy, daddy treats cat like a slave. Mm. Wow. So he he was noticing stuff when he was five, six seven years old. He was a really he's a really smart kid. Mm-hmm. The problem is now I haven't had access to my kid for the last two years, um, and I don't know how much how what he thinks how he thinks now because he can't tell me anything anymore. After I got arrested and put in jail for five days, something happened between Ethan and I where. After I got out of jail and he found out about it, he never, ever was able to tell me anything ever again that happened with him or what's going on in his dad's house or how he feels or anything. He just doesn't tell me anything ever again. I don't know if his dad threatened him. Oh, Mm -hmm. if you open your mouth again, your mom's going to go back to jail. And who knows, maybe this time she'll never come out. Oh, I'm sure he I, scared I don't know. him. I'm sure he scared him very well. Uh, that's what mine was doing. This is this is the pattern. Um, 
you know, and this is this is helping your son's ACEs scores as well. <clears throat> I do remember my son telling me when I came back out of from the jail when we met with the first time after that with the supervisor, because remember I had supervised visitation. Mm -hmm. So when we came back, when I came back out, um, my son did say um, to me, "Oh, mommy, I was so upset." when I found out about you were in jail that I broke my lamp into three or four pieces. I took all the parts, took the whole lamp apart, took all the screws out. And, and at, I guess like in the middle of the night, he was, he was so angry. Poor thing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, they don't realize that these court systems don't realize that putting a parent in jail which is actually prison it's that's what it says on the wall when you go in there sure. but um they don't realize the effect this has on any age of any child teen you know you know what you know what the sad part is is that i was put in jail for doing nothing wrong i was i didn't do anything wrong i was only defending my son and I was, I mean, I understand that people go to jail because they did something, but <laughs> justification for me to have ever gone to jail. I've never done anything in my life to deserve jail. No, no, you didn't. No, it's, it's, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. Um, they're just trying to break up the family and they're using, you know, narcissistic, um, you know, abuse. This is legal abuse, narcissistic abuse. I am so sorry, Natalia. You know, um, you know, I, I did do a podcast with Amy Vanderlinda, and I can send you the podcast, but she offers some really good coping methods when you can't see your kids. Um, you know, I'll, really? I'll yeah, I'll send that to you. She was amazing. I was, I was amazed. And I had a parent contact me a couple days later and told me that she had been trying her techniques and it worked. And she, you know, explained how, you know, her two kids started texting her that two days later. And I was like, whoa, you know, that's, that's very interesting. So you know, well, you know, remember my son is 14 mm -hmm. and his dad won't let I mean, even yes, on Friday when I had a phone call with him and we were me, you know, I have the supervisor on the phone and he got Ethan to stay on the phone. Well, mom, I don't have a phone. Mm -hmm. I, I know he doesn't have a phone and why he doesn't have a phone. But I mean, that's terrible. Right. I mean, I'm sure Ethan, you know, you know he must feel very left out. He sees all his friends as cool with phones and he can't even have one you know it's I like think, it's like it's like my son lives in a cult right and, oh, and it I, is and i'm sure with him not having a phone that's because of his father not wanting him to have contact with you mm -hmm. and he's afraid that if he has a phone he'll realize he's able to contact you mm -hmm. it's all coercive control and you know being that he is 14 which i think is a good thing because he's going to start seeing through what his father is pulling on him and you. 
Well, I mean, yeah, don't... here's the, here's some of the, here's some of the problems that I'm having on the phone calls now. Remember, I'm not seeing my son, but now the father has done, he's gone above and beyond on the phone calls. I think he's trying to find a way to take the phone calls away from me too. So I have That's to be true. very careful what I say mm-hmm. on the phone. So now he's put out these emails, these stipulations before I could have a call. You are not allowed to talk about future visits with our sons. You are not allowed to say, oh, um, I look forward to seeing you. I would like to see you. Um, I hope we can see each other soon. So he'll make like a list of, of things that I can't say. Or, oh, 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 I tried to see you today, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, because he doesn't want any of the blame going back to him. And so what happened is, a couple calls that I had, I would get in those little comments because, you know, I want my son to know that I'm still fighting for him and I'm still trying to see him. So at the end of the call, I, I say stuff like, oh, Ethan, I really w- was looking forward to seeing you, but it's not going to happen after all tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the I guess Ethan was going back and telling his dad, um, you know, because now he can speak up. He's probably saying, you know what? Why is it when I talk to my mom, she's telling me stuff like she was going to see me and then she's not, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he's probably, Ethan's probably wondering, you know, why am I not seeing my mom and why is my mom saying she's trying, but it's not happening. So he probably wants to hear an answer from his father and his dad is probably making up some stupid lies like, oh, your mom has to work late. Or your mom has other things more important to do than to see you. Or she just doesn't have time for you. You know, who knows what he's telling him. And then when I go and say stuff like that, it, 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 it sends, it sends <laughs> mixed signals to my son, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think what happens is, is the father is now getting upset because now the, my child is questioning him. So he thinks, okay, well... Um, now that your that your ch- my child's questioning him, maybe now I need to set standards on conversations that my my ex is having with my son on the phone, and making this like a like like she can't do this or she can't continue the call. So now mm-hmm. he's like trying to control the call. Mhm. Mhm. Do you think he's listening um, in on the calls? Yeah, I think he's listening, and I think he's listening, and I also think he's recording them. Mm-hmm. Right, probably is. Yeah, because that, yeah, you know, yeah, mine was um, listening in on all the calls whenever they would, you know, talk to me. In fact, I heard my ex sneeze on the phone, and I actually said, "God bless you." Um, th- this is ridiculous. How they have to monitor every phone call that shows right there that there's mental illness in that parent that they would go to that extreme of having to listen in and having such control and all of that is child psychological abuse right but here here's the weird part about it all and i don't get this if this father is so sick like this what is this what is his wife is she just as sick as him because you would think her having her own kids, you know, she would have like the motherly thing, like, you know, what, a, you know, why are you doing this? And why do you have another kid with some psychopath like that? 
Well, like you had said, you know, she has low self-esteem. I mean, she has low confidence, low self-esteem. She feels she doesn't look nice. Uh, that's what's playing into that. So she'll stay in that relationship because she's grateful to have a man. You know what I think, though? As sad as I am that my son, I left my the father. I honestly left the father, not only because of the way he treated me, but very importantly, I left because I didn't want my son to grow up and see that his father mistreated women. You know what I mean? I didn't want him to have that idea that he his father is 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 nasty to women. And also, I didn't want my son to grow up and think that that was okay to 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 mistreat women. You know, mm-hmm. or you know, and I and when I left. I think now, all these years, that one day maybe my son will understand that, well, you know, my mom was um, was very strong, and she was she didn't put up with my dad. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> you're probably going to think really um, bad about his stepmom, say, well, look at my mm-hmm. stepmom. She just dealt with it and tolerated it. Mm-hmm. So I think at the end, I'm hoping that my son is going to have a higher respect for me for for walking away in that situation definitely um and seeing <laughs> i think I so know, too. i pray i pray that my son even though he's not in my life that he would be proud of me one day oh. yes he yes he will he will and i'm going to send you amy vanderlinda's podcast and then you'll understand what, what i'm getting at um you know just you know, keep, you know, keep on keeping on, you know, you've got friends that you can talk to. And, you know, um, at least he's 14. You know, and then what if he what if he wants to go back to the court and tell them I don't want to live with dad, I want to go live with mom. Yeah, but I, I don't know why my son isn't. This is the part I don't understand. My son is 14 years old. He has friends. He goes to the school. Why doesn't he ever think to go down the street, let me get a pay phone and call my mom? Mm-hmm. Or I why, I mean, I, I, why isn't he thinking like, I, a lot of times when I'm on the phone with him, I, I want to say, I'm afraid to ask him because I don't know if his dad is listening or, you know, or, you know, yeah. yeah. But I want to say, Ethan, why don't you just tell your dad you want to see me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, He's afraid. And what I mean, he it, you know, there's Stockholm syndrome taking place in that home. There's co- massive coercive control. And it is like a cult. And I often wonder the same thing. Like, why can't my kids just borrow one of their friend's cell phones and just call me? But they are too exactly. afraid. They're just too afraid. And that's the, But the what is there way. to be afraid of if they can do it, like, without the other parent knowing? I mean, there's... They could go oh. somewhere else. Well, you know, no? what, I, what I have learned is there are flying monkeys everywhere, and people don't know what flying monkeys are. These are people that are enlist, enlisted by the narcissist to watch every movement that kid makes. So if, let's say, he goes to his friend's house and uses that cell phone, what if that parent is seeing this and she'll call up the narcissist and say, oh, he called his mother, just so you know. 
And these people also are committing child psychological abuse. So, you know, it's terrible. It you know, is, we didn't we didn't let Chris, we didn't let Chris talk at all. Do you want to say something about your kids, Chris? No, just <laughs> I, I I hope in time that they they can figure it out and and if they don't figure it out, I I always look at things every day we have the opportunity to have a happy new day. Mm -hmm. It only takes a second to create a magical loving memory and every day we are blessed with 86,400 seconds. Mm -hmm. So if they never understand what's happened for the last 10 years, that's okay. Maybe they could just like, you know, realize that, um, you know, Christian Duvall, their, their biological father who was with them every single day of their lives till they turned age 10 and 14 actually is still alive. Mm -hmm. I'm not dead. And all I have to offer them is, is unconditional love. Um, and what have they got to lose by experiencing and enjoying that love? Or even just talking to me as, as a human being. And, and, I, and I fully understand from sadly learning so much about this that uh, children that are in their situation, and, and my, my kids are no longer children. My son just turned 23, my, my daughter's 19. But you know the way that they probably have coped and 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 at least on the surface survived so amazingly successfully in their own right is is by just um, erasing me and not thinking about what life was like with me and focused on on their own pursuits as as human beings and the love that they do get from, from their mother and from uh, my family and from their friends and their professors and their teachers. And, and, and with that, they, they have in their own right uh, been amazingly successful. So I think that it's important for us all to, to realize that, you know, we each live each day to the best that we can. And there's an awful lot of people in the world that live a life of denial and that's their way of coping and getting through each day mm -hmm. so you can't force someone to love you all you can do is be there and be healthy yourself and this is mm -hmm. what i think we all need to realize is that we need to go on living our own lives and if our children are coming back in them then that is wonderful and great but we need to stay healthy ourselves and to continue living our lives definitely and helping well, others and that's what's so great <clears throat> Yeah, what I find very sad about Chris' thing is, I mean, and I pray that this doesn't happen with my kids, I mean, my son, because I only have one son, well, he has his two, and his two aren't talking, but I mean, well, he also has his, his I know he loves his, his girlfriend's kids, too, and at least he has them, too, but um, I was going to say, it would be very heartbroken if, after all these years, me fighting, and, and kind of like, you know, Chris, and then Look, like he said, his his kids are what twenty three and nineteen. You would think by that age, they would want to hear two sides of the story. I mean, how can a, a parent manipulate a kid even past the age where they don't even want to get to find out for themselves of what their other parent even said was true or not? Well, they've been brainwashed. It's all that brainwashing, the Stockholm syndrome, coercive control. Mm -hmm. And and it's not like it's this has happened countless times. Um, interesting story. If you haven't researched it, I suggest you Google it. Is Steve Jobs, um, who who gives the quote of "But we are all imperfect human beings." But he, he had 
an unreal relationship with his own daughter who has come to terms with it and wrote a book about it and and but more importantly even with his his own father that he never ended up seeing he was it's he was adopted and it's a long story but it's a fascinating one as to how human beings for whatever reason if they don't want to deal with a particular situation can just put it aside and and go on and leave what um is their own successful or, or not necessarily successful life because there's you're only seeing a piece of someone in their life story there's always stories and there's always the rest of the story mm-hmm. um and it's it's important for us all to to realize that i know in my own my own story with my father who i sadly lost last august he was my closest parent he, he died of the pandemic in the COVID-19 and it was very devastating to me. Um, I was very um, heartbroken because my mother kept me from my dad so many years and um, and and I was kind of like what Ethan's going through now where I didn't see my dad or have a relationship. I think I, I saw him when I was 11 or 12 and then after that I didn't see him anymore. It, it, it was a very sad situation but when I was 18 I went looking for my father. You know, I, I wanted a relationship. And I pray every day that no matter how much I fight and how, and I don't know what the outcome, what, what things are going to be like the next couple of years, I'm hoping it gets better and I will be able to see my son. But I'm hoping that my son is, has my character and he sees through this and he does want to have a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, there's so many sad stories of parent of kids, but like even you, Marianne, and your own. It's it's sad. There there are kids that are so brainwashed that that they just don't they just don't want to know the other parent. They're so fixated with the other parent and what they said and say that that's got to be like the truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully, you know, they will all see through this and we just have to like chris said take care of ourselves you know find new hobbies stay busy you know and just live your life and just sit back and wait because you just never know and um you know natalia is there do you want to be contacted if parents want to contact you if they have any questions of course i always want to hear other parents and I also want to help whatever I can and give them advice and maybe you know we could help each other if they're going through the same thing and you know I always believe when people learn from each other and 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 that's the only way I'll get through this (laughs) so you're on Facebook do you want them to also contact you on your private email yeah that's fine too whatever they feel comfortable Okay, or they can send me a messenger. Right. Okay, do you want to say yeah. your e- email? Yeah, my email is Natalia, N-A-T-A-L-I-A dot Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N, at gmail.com. Okay, and I'll put that in the podcast notes. I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. But I thank you for coming on the show. And uh, I'd like to have you both back on, you know, uh, for updates and such. So uh, don't jump off. 
Slam the Gavel podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Natalia Dalton and Chris Duvall in the future and other guests. Thank you again. Thank you.